been an odd odd year hasn't it we're almost up to a year here of this thing i can't believe it it's like some kind of time warp isn't it <laughs> um you know we're trying to look ahead into 2021 here with faith and you know we've talked about the last month some of the messages greg talked about and uh dale and dave gave a, a message we listened to in our house churches there's a lot we're doing to try to shift our operating model and do something different. Um, in 2021 and 2020 has been a lot of adapting. You know, I think that would have happened anyway if COVID would have never happened, but now there's even a lot more adapting we're trying to look at. Um, you know, I think as we look at life, I also see, you know, there's a new normal we're getting used to of life by now, isn't it? We've kind of settled into life in COVID. And speaking for myself, I think there's some positives of that we can look at, like seeing the kids and uh, being home more and skipping two hours on the road on the train commuting. That's been nice. Um, I also personally worry for my own soul, for my family, for our church, for our world. There's a lot of things that are a new normal that maybe are not as positive that are kind of creeping into our life. And, you know, as we look towards outreach as we look towards looking outward I just wonder what's going on with us um, you know I think our idea of what it means to go out and go to a meeting we're getting a little rustier I think this is the first time I've driven to a meeting that's not in my own home in a while <laughs> so that was different um, but we laugh, but we're used to that. We're used to something different. Maybe we're used to Zoom. I think we're a little rusty overall on just having people in our home like we do in years past. And some of it, you know, if we have convictions and we're not having people over because of COVID, that's one thing. And that's very good. Like, God bless you in your faith. But speaking for us, I think we're just rustier on having people over and cultivating relationships. Uh, I think we settled into a life where we can be isolated. I think we've gotten used to lots and lots of free time. I don't think we've watched ever so many movies as we have in the last year. You know, there used to be a time where like a free night to watch a movie was a real treat in a busy month. And now it just seems like the norm is every night's a free night to watch a movie. It used to be like a Saturday free was an occasional treat where there was nothing on the calendar. And I think Sarah was looking at our calendar for the month of February, and this was our one thing on a Saturday this month was go to church. I don't know about you, but life's different. We're not used to things. Um, like we're getting used to attending things on our own terms. I can just pick. Am I going to zoom in? Am I going to show up somewhere? I've got a lot of leeway with work and church and any commitment I had a year ago is just different. And um, I quietly wonder what has that done to our soul and our flesh over the last year? And as you may have noticed in those last messages, like I mentioned, we're starting to look at what's it going to take us to really cultivate looking outward again. You know, we're, we're moving past wondering how are we going to operate as a church when we don't have 3,300 Tejon. That's starting to become a more distant memory having that building. You know, we had an initial shock to our system about getting up and running in house churches. How are we going to organize it? How are we going to split up into three from one church? And will there be attrition if we go to it? There was all those things we were wondering a year ago. And God bless us. We've walked through some of that stuff. 
And I think as Greg and I have been talking over the last couple months, we're really just asking the Lord, how do we look outward? How do we reignite a passion in ourselves and in our church and our family for the gospel and for the world around us while the world's just internalizing and there's so much just going on in our home that all comes to us? I think the last year, so many stimuli have been pressed on our families from the world that it's really shifted how we operate and how we view things and how we view our neighbors down the street. Um, you know, nobody in this room or on Zoom would fail a doctrine test about the Great Commission, about what Jesus's mission is for us. But being honest, if I was judged on my actions in the last year and Jesus was filling out a scorecard, I'm not sure I played faith in the same way in the last year as I did in years past. I'm not sure I put the same focus in I did. I've appreciated, I hope you have as well, just the discussions we've had in our house churches over the last month, just surrounding this topic. How can we look outward? How can we rekindle that? And uh, the, the family's house church, and we all, we're all families, yet there's one family's house church. I don't know how that works. But the family's house church, we're doing a Bible plan and reading through Mark. And this week we read through Mark 6 about the story of Jesus feeding the 5,000. And I found just a lot of parallels in that chapter to what, what we're looking at and what we're going through. And God was pressing it on me. And so I thought I'd talk about it some today. Um, we'll pray. And if you've got a Bible, anyhow, you can open up to Mark 6. That'd be great. I think there's some on the side of the room if you want to find an analog one and you're here. Uh, let's pray. God, we, we just pray for today. God, we admit we need you. God, we need to be reinvigorated by your spirit. Uh, I, I fear we've gotten pretty comfortable in this COVID world. There's shopping services that can deliver anything to our door and you can get entertained and eat and get things sent to you and be pretty comfortable at home. A lot of people are able to keep an income coming all from their computer. God, I ask you'd speak to our hearts today. Um, God, I, I ask you'd, you'd really point our church towards what you'd have for us, what you want us to be interested in. And it's, it's having an outward focus. It's feeding those around us. It's being involved with the Great Commission. It's not anything new. There's nothing surprising there yet. I think you want to encourage us in it. I pray your scripture would really speak to our hearts today. Pray your mercies. We sing about your mercies being new every morning. We thank you that they are. We pray you give us new mercies to understand your word and walk in it today. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, if you have a Bible, I'm going to read from Mark 6, 30 to 41. I was going to print it on analog and my printer was not having it. So that didn't happen, but Mark 630, if you got a phone or a Bible, it'd be great. It says the apostles returned to Jesus from their ministry tour and told him all that they had done and taught. Then Jesus said, let's go off by ourselves to a quiet place and rest a while. He said this because there were so many people coming and going that Jesus and his apostles didn't even have time to eat. 
So they left by boat for a quiet place where they could be alone. But many recognized them and saw them leaving. And people from many towns ran ahead along the shore and got there ahead of them. Jesus saw the huge crowd as he stepped from the boat and he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. Late in the afternoon, his disciples came to him and said, this is a remote place and it's already getting late. Send the crowds away so that they can get to the nearby farms and villages and buy something to eat. But Jesus said, you feed them. With what they asked, we'd have to work for months to earn enough money to buy food for all these people. How much bread do you have? He asked, go and find out. They came back and reported, we have five loaves of bread and two fish. Then Jesus told the disciples to have the people sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups of 50 or 100. Jesus took the five loaves and two fish, looking up toward heaven and blessed them. Then breaking the loaves into pieces, he kept giving bread to the disciples so that they could distribute it to the people. He also divided the fish for everyone to share. And everybody, I cut it off on my page here, but everyone ate until they were full. And there's a lot to take out from this. Um, first, we see there's desperate people around Jesus. You know, if we look back in Mark a little bit, the beginning of the chapter and the one before, just to give some context here, Jesus had set all the disciples out in two, and this is where he tells them, don't take any money with you, don't bring a change of clothes, just go out in twos and minister, and have people take you into their home, and if they will, minister to that town, and so they went out ministering and casting out demons, and they went on their own little missionary tour, and so when this starts, they're all kind of coming back in from that, they're probably excited, they've seen God do some stuff, and they're probably pretty weary probably need some rest and nourishment and when jesus said let's let's get away let's go across the lake let's get away from the crowds i think they were ecstatic that's what they wanted to hear oh jesus gets it it's been a long ministry tour and we need to get away you know back on the home front john the baptist was just beheaded they lost a close friend ministry partner believer and so they get in the boat and they sail across and they're thinking we're about to get this rest we long for after our ministry. But lo and behold, people are running around the lake as fast as they can to beat them. And by the time they get to the other side and Jesus steps off the boat, there's crowds there on what should have been an empty shore. And so we understand why they were weary. We understand why they're talking about being hungry. I understand why they're attempting to find solitude from the crowds and rest. And so we can be hard on the disciples as we read this story, but it's getting late in the day. They're weary from this journey. And I can understand the disciples when they urge Jesus, send these people away. Go tell them to go to the towns. Go tell them to find the farms. Go tell them to go eat because we're sitting on a shore. There's not like some seafood restaurant there. They're sitting on the shore and there's sand and there's water and it's probably getting colder. 
and they've got just a little bit of food. And I can relate, you know, when I'm, when I'm ready to rest, I think of like being on the couch at night and it's ready to just rest and watch TV and the kids are screaming in their bedroom and need something. I feel like I need to rev the engine just to get off the couch again a little bit. And that's something easy, just like being on the couch. And so I can relate when they're saying, Jesus, we were going to go rest. We just did all this ministry and we're trying to get away and these crowds followed us. And Jesus could have gone out to the crowds and said, you know what? We ministered all day, probably been days. He's been ministering in the town there. He could have said, come back in the morning, go eat, go rest, come back when sun comes up and I'll teach you. And it wouldn't have been crazy. But we see something different, don't we? Back in the scripture, it says, Jesus saw the large lost crowd and he had compassion on them. He understood that they needed spiritual and physical feeding, that they were hungry. It says he looked at them like sheep without a shepherd. He saw a crowd and he wanted to minister and help them through their need. You know, like I mentioned, I believe there's been some harmful elements through this pandemic. I think we're all being taught to look around us, to everyone around us as being a threat to our health. Are they wearing a mask? Where have they been? Did they put on hand sanitizer? Are they in a crowd? I think we're all getting conditioned to view people in a way where we're not having compassion, but we're, we're wanting to have distance. No matter what our conviction is, if we're home or on Zoom today, we're all getting pressed on us that we should be careful with everyone around us. And it's reduced our care for others. I think we've been deadened to look for other people's needs where it would have been normal to ask how people were doing and, and go down the street and knock on the door and talk to our neighbors and see coworkers. I don't think we're doing that as much as we used to. I think we're growing cold in heart of compassion to those around us. But it says Jesus saw the crowds even when he was tired and he had compassion on them. Surely Jesus knew how much the disciples had done to minister. He knew how much they'd been doing to serve him and serve his father. And they seem to be a little indignant that this crowd has come along. <laughs> Don't you understand, guys? We've been out ministering and we just tried to get away from you all. And you followed us here. And it's late. And I think they're totally justified in the flesh to say, Jesus, send them away. Jesus, set boundaries in your life. They're following you across this lake and it's time to eat and rest. They're following you everywhere all the time. But what does Jesus say to them? He says, you feed them. Jesus had a clear call for the disciples to feed the needy people around them. You know, I think about us. I think it's easy to look at the people around us in need. And I'll be honest, it's easy to think, don't these people know that Joel Olstein is on television and you can just get a church on TV? 
and go find it. And there's great mega churches broadcasting on Facebook. You can go pick any great church around the country. There's a ton of them. You can pick and choose. You can probably watch it on your own time. They'll save the video and you can watch it when it's as comfortable as possible. There's people that are more gifted and skilled out there. And I think if we believe that rhetoric, Jesus would say to us, Firehouse, you feed them. You feed your neighbors. You feed the people around you. Jesus modeled compassion when he was tired. And yet the disciples were wanting to send the crowds away. And we can so easily miss that heart of compassion that Jesus modeled. We can want to just send people away and, and stay safe and not go out of our way and not do something uncomfortable. But Jesus really showed the heart of a shepherd or a father. You know, I think about when our kids are sick. You know, I think right now one of my daughters is having some foot pain and it's really impacting her and we're trying to carry it out with doctors. But when our kids have something going on and they're sick, we'll hit the phone and we'll call people and we'll take them down to the doctor and we'll take them back two or three times to make sure they get the help they need or we'll go to the hospital or we'll go to the pharmacy. We'll advocate, we'll care for them. We'll teach them how to put ice on or how to take ibuprofen or rest. We'll talk them into getting casts if they need to keep them safe or to get the care they need. As parents, we love our children and we want to care for them like that. And what Jesus models is that he didn't just have that heart for those the closest to him. He had that heart for the crowds, for the people that were around them. He cared about their need for food enough to perform a miracle. He cared about their spiritual needs enough to minister and die and share truth with them. We would think it preposterous to send our own children away if they were hungry. It's getting late around dinner time, and mom says, Go out. There's a McDonald's down the street. <laughs> Go find dinner. We'd think that to be pretty silly. But spiritually, that's how Jesus would have viewed it. Hey, you stay here. I'm going to feed the flock and trust the Lord with it. And so when Jesus says, you feed them, the disciples are still opening their eyes to what he's trying to do. They respond to him with what? We'd have to work for months to earn enough money to buy food for all these people. And again, we can have a little disdain and be like, with what? Well, you've got Jesus there. He'll figure it out. But I think it's pretty natural. They're looking at what they have. They're looking at the crowds and they're thinking, this isn't going to feed everyone. We can cook this fish and fillet it any way you call it, but it's not enough food, Jesus. Like I said, there's not a restaurant. Send them away. There's food in the village. There's food up the hill. You know, Jesus had just encouraged them all, go out on your tours and ministry by two with no money. A lot of them had stopped working. They stopped fishing. They stopped the tax collector booth. Their income had stopped and they're out with no money ministering and just come back in. I'm guessing they're all a little low on resources by now. So they're not being selfish or crazy. They just didn't see it. Um, I also laugh reading through this chapter because you can see food is on their mind. And I don't know about you, like if I get stuck on meetings for three hours at work, 
I just am thinking about food. I'll make food analogies. I'm like dreaming about a sandwich. I get grumpy. It's all I'm thinking about. So when I read the start of this chapter, it's funny because they're like, we got out and we were doing ministry and we were so busy, we couldn't eat. And then Jesus said, keep dealing with these people and feeding them. And he wouldn't let us send them away. And then we have a fish and we just wanted to cook it for dinner. And he says to share it with 5,000 people. We're hungry. I, I laugh, but I think clearly they were thinking about food. I get that way. I think we call it hangry in our vernacular, but I think they were getting that way. It's okay. That's the flesh. We all get hungry. And, you know, they're looking at their circumstances and they're looking at the command of God and they're scoffing a little. And I, I think we all do that. God, you've got a clear command, but I don't see how it's going to happen with my circumstance. You want me to tithe, but I don't have a lot of money. You want me to show hospitality, but it's really hard and we're in the middle of COVID. You say, don't look at someone with lust and the world like can't even stay married longer than five minutes, it seems like. And the divorce rate is crazy. You want us to outreach, but we're in a global lockdown. What is it, Jesus? Like, it's all impossible. And as I read this parable, it's not a parable, this story, I was just thinking about our conversation over the last few weeks in our church or our house church is about being a lifeboat. And I'm just thinking about how it relates to that that mission. Um, and if you missed Greg's message or the one Dave and Dale did, I encourage you to go listen to them. They're up on our website. But in short, Greg talked about how as a church in America, it can feel a little bit like a cruise ship. It's big, it's flashy, it's fun, it's entertaining, it's comfortable. There's nice cushy chairs, but it relies on people in the water to see that show, swim over and climb up the ladder and get on board and join the party. It doesn't move fast, it doesn't pivot fast. It's not able to go after one person fast because the cruise ship turns slow. And God has given us a different mission and call in this season, hasn't he? That we're gonna be like house churches that are like little lifeboats. We're gonna be like lifeboat churches, small and nimble. We can quickly pivot. The lifeboat's not going to fit 100 people, and it's not going to have comfy chairs. It's going to have some emergency food and water and like some kind of buoy to get someone up out of the water, and that's about it. But the lifeboat can pivot and leave the 99 and go after the one and meet the needs of people and understand where they're at and pray for them and reach people in our local context. And as we had discussions over the past month, we talked about things like, well, what prevents us from doing that? And what methods can we use? And as we went through those discussions, I have to admit, you know, this, the way the discussion went and even the attitudes of my own heart, I felt more closely aligned with the disciples wanting to send the crowds away than with Jesus wanting to show compassion. And we can look at Jesus and say, you want us to go minister to our neighbors with what? <laughs> we don't have some celebrity megachurch pastor. We don't even have a facility we can go point people to other than like a couple of our dining rooms or living rooms. We can reasonably put on a Zoom meeting. Hi, all you Zoomers. But it's not some flashy show. It's more like a family gathering over Zoom than a production. With the COVID restrictions, you know, we can't even all meet together. 
Our neighbors might not even come in our home. We might not be comfortable having others in our home. That's fine. They're all valid challenges, but there's so much stacked up. And I felt like as we talked about it, it was like this list of things that disciples were looking at. I don't want to downplay that those are real challenges, but I fear we're falling a little bit or can fall a little bit into that same trap. They were focused on their resources. Jesus, it's a few loaves and fish. That's it. You can cut it in half, but it's still the same amount of food. You can, you can fillet it. You can cook it. You can cut it. And it's still not enough food. They weren't yet seeing God might want to do something supernatural. They weren't in faith for the miracle. They were focused on their own talents, their own possessions, their own money, their own fatigue. And we can feel that same way, can't we? Last year, it's had its downtime and it's had extra time maybe, but I think it's also been draining, hasn't it? Spiritually, physically, we've lost connections and touch with people and we're all a little drained from all that and kind of want life to get back. I think we can relate with those disciples that are like, send people away, it's late, it's time to rest. I'm going to read on a little bit. Jesus starts to get practical. I think he knows the answer to this question, but verse 38, he says, how much bread do you have? I like it when he asked that, because he already knows. Go and find out. Like, so they came back and reported, we have five loaves of bread and two fish. So then Jesus told the disciples to have the people sit down in groups and they sat down in 50 or 100 and he took the two fish, looked up to heaven and blessed them. Breaking the bread into pieces, he kept giving the bread to the disciples so they could distribute it to the people and divided the fish for everyone to share. They all ate as much as they wanted and afterwards the disciples picked up 12 baskets of leftover bread and fish. A total of 5,000 men and their families were fed. So Jesus took the meager offering they had, looked up to heaven and prayed over and asked for God's blessing. I think it's important, and it's not an accident, that the scripture records that Jesus looked up to heaven to pray. Have you ever thought about that? You can kind of pray however you want. You can kneel, you can close your eyes, you could hold hands, you could look wherever, you could look at the fish. But Jesus is looking up to heaven and he's praying in front of them. And I get the feeling it's because he's showing them, don't look at what's around you. Look up to heaven at our God. Look at the resources he has at his fingertips. Look not at the circumstances. And Jesus' prayer and faith leads God to respond with a miracle. God performs a miracle such that 5,000 and their families were feeding, and it's leftover food. God's power, God's resources weren't even exhausted in feeding the 5,000. There was more, and the people were full. Another interesting thing in there is that Jesus instructed the disciples to go feed the people. So ahead of doing the miracle, he says, go organize them into groups. So he has them count. They're like, we don't have much food. It says, great, go organize them into groups so we can distribute the food you don't have. And so they're going out and they're organizing people and they're probably grumbling a little going like, I don't know what these people are going to do when they get like a crumb of bread and that's all it feeds for all these 5,000s, but they keep doing it. 
So they had to follow Jesus in a task that looked impossible to carry out. And they had to go encourage people, sit down, we're going to feed you. And we know we don't have food. And it says they're walking back and forth and Jesus keeps giving more bread to distribute. So they'd go and they think this has got to be the last one. I hope I get to enough people. And when they go back, there just keeps being more. Jesus keeps having more. He provides the miracle. He multiplies the bread far beyond what their resources showed. I think Jesus gives us that same situation, doesn't he? We can look at the meager fish and bread that our house churches have to offer and pray for the blessing and go try to feed people. But I think if we're all honest, our house churches and the circumstances are a little more fish and bread than a show, right? We have Jesus and we love each other. And we got our Bible and we're going to read it and we're going to pray and we're going to get together and encourage each other. And we're asking for God's blessing that we could walk in faith and ask that he'd bless what we're doing. I just want to close with a few practical things I think we could be doing. Um, you know, one is I think we need to be like Jesus and look up to heaven and pray a little more. You know, instead of looking at all the obstacles, I mentioned that a lot of them, they're on my heart. I know what they are. I think we all know what the obstacles are. Let's start looking up to heaven. God gave us the mission. I know things are odd in this world right now but god gave us the mission and he'll give the resources to carry it out let's pray fervently that he would move let's start praying in our house churches that god would open the door for the gospel let's start praying for our friends and neighbors by name let's pray that god would perform some miracles in there you know i can see a very worldly way where our house church would look like the same number of people a year from now because no one wants to come over during covid well, let's pray for something different. That's, that's the two fish. Let's pray for something different. This could also be the greatest opportunity we know in our lifetime. I think this is the wildest time any of us have ever seen, at least a lot of us in our lifetime. You know, I, I read this week in Mark 6, it's a little earlier than that, where it says Jesus was unable to perform miracles in Nazareth. Verse 5 and 6, Mark 6, it says, And because of their unbelief, he couldn't do any mighty miracles among them, except to place his hands on a few sick people and heal them. He was amazed at their unbelief. It's like chilling words to say Jesus was amazed at something people did. Their lack of belief in God. That's convicting to me. Are we believing God will move? Let's not let Jesus be amazed at the unbelief at the firehouse. There's so many opportunities out there. There's unprecedented time going on. Let's engage God. Say, you've got the same promises you gave a year ago. Let's not be found unbelieving, church. The second thing I want to highlight Again, it's just Jesus had that outward focus of compassion. And we're steering to be lifeboat churches instead of one big cruise ship. We're a church that wants to see the drowning people and pull them up, snatching them as from the fire, as it says in Jude. There's people drowning all around us. Think of just down our street, thinking of like 
a little radius of about four houses in any direction. I can think of, we've got one, we've got one man with medical challenges that can't leave his home ever. We've got one house with like two working parents that are just underwater trying to figure out their kid going back to school and, and keep two jobs afloat at home. Got another family that had their house or their garage broken into just this week of someone cold and trying to get off the street because it's been so cold. Another neighbor that had COVID already and from his job and because he's in a high risk job and was older and faced that. Got another family right across the street that's in the middle of a divorce. And it's literally just like a four house radius around us. There's stuff people are going through. I don't think my block is unique. It's a tough time. You know, my work, I talked to someone the last couple of weeks that's having visa issues and the government's taking so long to process the visas. He, I think his wife's gonna lose her job because she can't get a visa in time. There's real needs around us. But the question is, will we look with compassion to people? Will we really go out of our way to find what's going on with people? You know, it's easy to point people to the government. They're going to approve stimuluses and they're going to send you thousands of dollars to buoy your family. They're going to send vaccines to keep us all safe. Those things are all helpful, but I think if we point people, that's, that's what your savior is going to be in the middle of this pandemic. I believe Jesus would tell the church, you go feed them. God wants to mobilize the church in America to meet needs and minister to people and pray for people. God wants to mobilize us. So again, just think about ways to actively talk and engage and find needs of our neighbors. Do you know your neighbor's names? I admit my wife is a lot better at that than me of actually knowing their names and writing them down and being able to recall them when you bump into them on the street. Do we know their names? Do we know what's going on in their life? Can we pray for them? Can we pray for the real stuff? Do we know if they know Christ? It's convicting, but I fear the answer to more of those questions are no than yes sometimes, even for me. Let's pray for our neighbors. You know, once we know real needs and their spiritual condition, let's be praying for people by name. Let's take the time in our house churches to pray for people. Who's on your block? Who's on your block? Let's just pray for them. Let's pray God would move. Let's lift up their needs. Let's pray for salvation. And then we move for compassion. Will we isolate? Will we look inward? Will we just think about ourselves? Or will we get creative to go care for the crowds? It's going to take some creativity, but will we do it? The third, I think we need to be active in the gospel in these times. Every house church is looking for ways to get active in the gospel and lay out new plans. You know, Greg and I aren't going to lay from on high, like, this is how every house church is going to go do things and get the gospel out. It's up to you guys. It's up to you guys to figure out who's on our street, who's at our work, how can we minister to them, what makes sense. We're going to try some things. It might be doing Zoom calls with down our block that might be a little awkward, We'll give it a shot. It might be inviting people to an in-person event at our house that no one shows up to because they're freaked out about COVID. I'm reminded of Proverbs 14.23. It says, work brings profit, but mere talk leads to poverty. 
know, this proverb is true in every phase of life, be it your work, be it your garden, be it exercise. But I think it applies to the gospel here. We can talk about the challenges till we're blue in the face, but we need to be active and working in it. We can sit around and talk about the methods, but it's the work, it's engaging in the gospel to bring profit. There's an old saying that you miss 100% of the shots you don't take. I think that's true here. So we're going to go for it this spring and summer. We're going to get creative and, and try to take some ground for the gospel. Let the Lord find us in prayer and in faith. And lastly, I just want to mention there may be equipping that needs to take place. You know, as we talked about it in our house church, we recognize like some of the tools we've used before. It might be hard to like get in a coffee shop and sit someone down for an hour and go through a diagram in the state of the world. And I don't think we get to say, well, the gospel doesn't work. They won't sit in a coffee shop for an hour. The gospel is powerful and active today. So I think what needs to happen is we need to change the things that we can communicate. And so there may be equipping that needs to happen. Um, maybe it's going through simple gospel tracks you can get through quicker. There's ways to share over Zoom if that's where people are at. There's PowerPoint slides to go through the gospel and share the whole diagram that way. Might be getting our testimony to where we can share it quickly with people in five minutes and we're sharp on being able to share it as we bump into people. The gospel is powerful. We need to look for ways to be creative and in faith with it. Um, outreach events are going to look different, like I mentioned. Um, I thought there were some great ideas that Dale and Dave mentioned, the seeker small groups. I think a number of the house churches may try out stuff like that or um, doing the other methods. There's good stuff. But let's not let God be amazed at our unbelief, our lack of faith, our lack of action. Because I believe God wants to take ground for the gospel in 2021. Let's pray. God, we thank you for today. We thank you for this time together as a church. It's good to be here. It's good to be on Zoom together. God, I pray you would grow our heart of compassion for the lost. God, help us care. Help us look beyond our four walls of our houses and, and care about what's going on with our neighbors and pray for them. And I pray you'd help us just be engaged with the gospel and faith as a church. God, help us get creative. We recognize the stuff that we did in years past might not work right now. But God, you want us to walk forward with faith and just follow you as you lead us. God, give us ideas to be creative. Give us a lot of courage to go get the gospel out. Maybe looking foolish. It may be we have events that aren't successful. But God, let us be found in faith and trying. Help us go for it as a firehouse church this spring and summer here. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.